In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I know you're all dying to hear a sermon on Hosea. <laughs> we may save that for another day. There's, there's really about three sermons in uh, the Gospel passage today. We have the, the Lord's Prayer, teach us how to pray, and the parable of the friend at midnight, and, and finally, uh, sort of the Jesus summing it all up of, of seeking and knocking and asking God. And, and uh, we're focused primarily on the parable of the friend at midnight, but they all, they all come together and talk about um, the power of prayer, what it means to pray. And how we're, we're called and invited to pray. Um, beginning with Jesus' disciples, after he's finished praying, say, teach us to pray. Um, so th this is actually in, in one of the Gospels of, um, Lord, what, you know, how should we pray? And Jesus says, actually answers, one of the few times where Jesus actually answers a question. Generally, when you ask Jesus a question, he's happy to um, give you a story or tell you something else, or ignore you sort of entirely. But this is one of those times where Jesus is, is happy to say, this is how you should do it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins, save us from the time of trial. And then he goes on to, to stress why it's important to pray and the confidence we can have in prayer through this parable of the friend at midnight, which is often misunderstood, or at the very least, um, <coughs> misunderstood in, in this particular context uh, as being something where we should be persistent or should be bold, and really about us when it's not actually about us at all. It's about God. And, and partly that's because we've, we've missed this parable a little bit, and, and I'm very happy that this is the first Sunday that I'm here at St. Matthias, because this is one of these passages that was instrumental in me looking at the Bible in a whole different way when I first learned it, and really has shaped who I am as not only a preacher, but as a disciple of Jesus, as one who comes to study. And so, this parable begins with, with a man who has a friend who showed up at midnight. And, and Jesus is saying, can you imagine a situation where your friend um, shows up at midnight? And this is in Middle Eastern hospitality time, where, where small community, um, that hospitality is key. And... Uh, Really what, what happens when somebody shows up like this is you go to everybody in town that has the best. You're gonna put on a party. St. Matthias knows about putting on a party. I saw all the little things that came, were coming in today. And you know who has the best cobbler and the best chicken and the best this and the best that has the best dish. And so what happens when a visitor shows up into the village is you go around and you say, 
you have the best silver bowl, can I borrow your silver bowl? And you have the best linens, can I borrow your linens? And you have the best uh, food of this you know, type, um, the best dish, tasty dish, can, can you make some for me? And, and here, the interesting thing about bread in that, in that culture right now, we, we, we've had it in our mind, give us our daily bread and manna and how bread is very important. But in reality, for feasts and festivals, bread, if you've ever been to a Middle Eastern restaurant, is just silverware, right? It's a vehicle to get the real food into your mouth. It's not much different than a plastic fork. And so what Jesus says, can you imagine going to one of your friends when somebody is coming to your village at midnight and you go to them and you say, do you have three loaves that I can borrow? Can you imagine him saying, sorry, my door's locked. The kids are in bed with me. Come back later. I can't get up. It would be like you, somebody coming to your house at midnight saying, there's an accident down the road. Can you call 911? Somebody is dying and you say, sorry, the door's locked. I got my kids in bed with me. The dogs might get out. I can't help you. In other words, no, nobody can imagine you saying that. It isn't done. And the reason it's not done isn't because that's your friend, but because you'd be shamed before the whole community. And that's really what this word that we've often, often uh, translated as persistence, sometimes boldness, is, is shamelessness. And the shamelessness isn't from the asker, it's from the person. In fact, we have a lot of pronouns right here of he, he, he. And it's he is not going to get up because he is his friend and he wants to come over here. He is going to do it because he is not going to be shamed before the community. Because imagine the next morning there's a big feast and the only person that didn't help is Bob over here. Everybody knows it. Bob, you can get up. There's no way you're not going to get up and give him whatever he needs. Because the honor of the village is at stake. The hospitality of the village is at stake. You're not going to be the one to screw that up. This is why that, that turning the water into wine at the wedding of Cain of Galilee was so important too. He, that guy would have been humiliated. That wedding would have been over and they would have been talking about it forever. Remember that? They ran out of wine. Don't be like them. Don't be like them when you get married. Don't run out of wine. And so this, this parable when it's persistence and boldness for the knocker is turned back around into shamelessness for the person behind, all of a sudden it becomes not about us being persistent or bold to pray to God and ask, though we shouldn't. And there are other parables that stress this point. What really it is is that we can go to God in prayer for God's name's sake. 
God answers prayer because of who God is. That's the character of God. God is one who provides. God is one who blesses. God is one who cares. God is one who lavishes us with love and blessing and grace. And in fact, it goes on in that last little part to say, which of you, if your children asks for a fish, are going to give them a snake? Or ask for an egg, you're going to give them a scorpion. If you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more is God going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So go to God. Yes, be persistent in prayer. Yes, be bold in prayer. But you don't get, God doesn't answer you because of your boldness or because of your persistence. God answers you because who God is. And that's why we go. And so, while we are called to be persistent and bold in prayer, and there are many places in the Bible that call us to, to, to that, in this particular parable, Jesus is making the point that we can trust God. That we can trust God. This is why we pray. This is why we enter a relationship that God might bring His Spirit upon us and fill us and bless us. Because we want to get away from the attitude that, well, the reason God hasn't answered your prayers yet is because you haven't been persistent enough. Maybe you should just pray a little bit harder. Maybe if you just prayed a little bit bolder, God would answer your prayers. Maybe if you did something better, God would listen to you. Because that's not our theology. We don't have a formula to make God listen to us. It's not if you have enough faith that God is going to bless you. It's not that you're good enough that God is going to listen to you. God sometimes waits for the right prayer. When you ask for the Holy Spirit, God's way more happy to give that to you than the winning lotto numbers. Right. I'd really like the winning lotto numbers. God does answer, though oftentimes the answer is, nah. <laughs> Not so much. I'll give you daily bread. You don't need $75 million. Holy Spirit. Absolutely. If you've ever prayed for someone else, it's amazing how much quicker God is happy to work through your prayers for someone else as well. There's things that God can't wait to bless. When you are interceding for your community, interceding parishioners and you want to be filled with spiritual gifts that will build up the kingdom of God and bless those around you. God is right there ready to answer prayers. Because God's name is at stake. We'll hit a little bit of Hosea to the point that one of the reasons that, that God 
is so harsh right now in Hosea at the beginning of this book is because they're dishonoring the name of God before all the other nations and making God look bad. And he says, I'm not going to have this anymore. You get all the way to the end, and there's a promise of rebuilding, and there's a promise of recuperation, there's a promise of, restore, a promise of restoring. But the reason that this happens to begin with is, this is my name at stake, and you're dishonoring it and blaspheming it before the people of the world, and that can't stand. But if you want to bless it, I'm going to bless you. So, as we begin this journey, together this is almost the perfect parable for us. Because yes, we're called to be persistent, and yes, we're called to be bold in our prayers. Yes, we want God to lavish blessings upon us, but it is God. And God alone, who is the blessing. We are the vehicles, the bread, to get the blessings into the mouths of the community around us. We are the ones to reach out. We are the ones to lay hands. We are the ones to pray. We are the ones to encourage and be hospitable to. But it is God. And more importantly than God, God's name. That's a stake. May we build up the name and grace and glory of Jesus, who indeed has trampled down death, as it said in the reading from Colossians, and made the spirits a spectacle, and has given us life and grace and joy and love and power through the mercy and glory of God. Amen.